Hey guys, and welcome to the Strong Tower Mental Health Podcast, where you will be inspired, encouraged, and transformed with powerful teachings and real stories of mental health. This podcast is not a substitute for counseling. If you are in a crisis, call or text your local crisis center or visit suicidepreventionlifeline.org. Jesus is in our mental health, and freedom is where we start. I am your host, Heidi Mortensen, licensed marriage and family therapist. Get ready. Today's show is going to bring you hope. Hello, and welcome to the Strong Tower Mental Health Podcast. Today is going to be a little different. I'm not going to do my teaching episode today. I have an interview with therapist Jenna Mountain from Texas. And so in just a little bit, you're going to step into hearing this interview. I just want to prepare some of you for those of you who have experienced any sort of sexual trauma or trauma to take your time with this episode. If there's anything that's triggering or too hard for you, just push pause and take a break. I just want to give yourself permission to make sure to take care of yourself as you're walking through this. Last week, my episode on Monday was called God Transforms During Difficult Circumstances. Make sure to go back and check that one out. And Thursday, I had on an awesome guest who is a very perfect segue to today's episode on sexual healing. Mary Whitman Ortiz shared her personal testimony with being a Christian woman and being in a marriage, thinking it was her fault, needing to do more things sexually. And she really talks about the real raw stuff that she dealt with in her marriage. So make sure to go back and check out both of these episodes. I pray that you enjoy today's episode and get as much out of it as I did. And I pray that you have a blessed, amazing week. Hello and welcome to the Strong Tower Mental Health Podcast. I am your host, Heidi Mortensen, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I'm really excited to have with me another mental health therapist, Jenna Mountain, and she is from Texas. So Jenna, go ahead and say hello. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you, Heidi. Yeah, it's such an honor to have you on. And why don't you explain your license and how it's kind of different in Texas? Some people are like, what does that mean? Well, just I know it means we get to bill insurance and (laughs) that it's like official. But you have a business called Aspen House Associates in Richardson, Texas, and you serve the Fort Worth area around Dallas. Why don't Uh you yeah, share a little bit about yourself and your license and what you do down there? I am a licensed professional counselor. That is one of a handful of designations here in the state of Texas. Each state regulates its own licensure and mental health professional standards. And so um, that's the one that I carry. I am also a certified sex therapist through the American Board of Christian Sex Therapists. I am EMDR certified, um, which is a wonderful form of therapy that got most popular with trauma, but you can use it with just about anything. And I'm also a leadership development and relationship coach, which has allowed me to work with people outside of the state of Texas, nationally and internationally. And so, yeah, that's just a little bit about me. Oh, cool. You have a lot of passions and a lot of things that you're good at and interested in. I wasn't going to do this, but I want to plug into your Instagram because she has awesome reels on Instagram. Where can (laughs) they find you you on Instagram? Yeah. So my handles on the socials are the Jenna mountain 
And that is J-E-N-N-A and mountain, just like the Rockies. I got that one with marriage. I felt like that was a great upgrade. So <laughs> I have a good stage name is what people a, tell me. <laughs> it is a wonderful stage name. Yeah. So go yes. ahead and check her out on Instagram. So when we talked and we met, I actually met you from Tim Ross. And so you're pretty yes. connected with him. I had him on the show and he is really an example of a pastor and someone yep. who was a Christian really just being vulnerable, being real with his story. Um, Uh And really, I'm so encouraged by what you're doing and what he's doing, because that's what we need in the body. We need more people stepping out, going to counseling, being real with their stuff, and really just owning their story instead of letting the enemy own our story and hiding shame. The topic that we're going to talk about today is around the area of shame. And we're going to talk about trauma and how sex can be impacted from trauma. Last week, I had on an amazing guest, Mary Ortman, and she talked about her story with her story with sex and where it's not talked about in the church. And there was a lot of shame around it. And she just kind of hid and was quiet for a long time and unfortunately led to her divorce. But now she's able to step out and speak about it and how sex needs to be talked about in the church. But we're going to be moving into a different area today, which is about trauma. Why don't you maybe just talk a little bit about the work that you do and kind of what's leading us to even step into this conversation. Let me go wide and then come back down to our specific topic. So as a certified sex therapist, I work with a wide variety of things. I will say what I don't spend a ton of time doing is sexual addiction because that actually is its own specialty. And as a certified sex therapist, I work with sexual dysfunction. So we think of things like erectile dysfunction, painful sex, a wide variety of things, struggling with orgasms. I also work with intimacy issues. So when we don't have something physically necessarily manifesting as a dysfunctional issue, but we don't know how to navigate desire discrepancies and we're having a hard time initiating sex or, you know, sex just isn't fun because of all the feelings swirling around, or we don't feel close when we have sex because we're not working on the other parts of intimacy. So wide variety of things that I do as a certified sex therapist, speaking to what you just talked about with your previous guests, one of the things that I will get asked to do a lot is come into churches and faith-based communities. And actually what they initially ask is, will you please come in and talk to our kids about sex? And I say, no, but I will come in and talk to your parents about how to talk to your kids about sex. And that's actually been one of my favorite things to do. And we start from birth and go all the way up until they're adults. And so we full on through the youth group, as far as talking to parents of different developmental stages, because that conversation starts as soon as they're born. And so I love teaching people how to start having that conversation more often in the church and in a healthy way. And then on the other side of my passion and work is I am a trauma specialist. And so I, uh, I always tell people I'm a trauma informed relationship and sex expert. And I'm also a relationship informed trauma expert, and that needs to go both ways. And it's the intersection of trauma and sexuality that actually get really tricky. And so I, and several of my colleagues here in-house at Aspen House have the same specialty. And so we sort of backed into the specialty of specializing in couples where one or both have a background in trauma and it is impacting their relationship and sex life. So that actually is one of the biggest specialties that Aspen House is known for working with. Yeah, And we do a ton of that. And just in our office, one of the ways that we have found it best to do it is we actually all play separate roles. So we are very collaborative in our work. And so there will be 
one person who is the therapist for this spouse, one awesome. person who is the individual yeah. therapist for this spouse. And then we will have someone that is the couple's therapist who is directing traffic for everybody. And so yeah. it is this really neat collaborative experience at Aspen House. Our clients love it. We yeah. get a lot okay. of feedback that that has been a really meaningful approach for them. But everybody's functioning from that lens relationship informed trauma expert and trauma informed relationship expert. One of the biggest reasons that that is so important mm -hmm. is if you look at, I would even say relative recent history. Okay. So if we think about the age of the field of psychology, we're talking about really like the forties and fifties. Okay. Like we're, it's not that old and there are some, you know, dark parts of our history in mental health where we did not do things very well, but even up until a decade or a couple decades ago, the way that we would do trauma work is take the survivor or the person who's carrying the trauma directly in their story. And we would just sort of separate them in the relationship. We would put them in individual counseling and we would look at the spouse or the family members and say, Hey, just leave them alone and don't trigger them. Okay. While they do this deep work, because yeah. when you're doing that deep healing work, like your sensitivities go up, your triggers go up. If your listeners have ever been into counseling, most counselors have this disclaimer in the beginning. It says it gets worse before it gets better because the unlearning and the feeling that we didn't do and all of those things do really disrupt for a moment of time ultimately to get to some really good healing and release work. So with all that said, the old school version of doing trauma work with someone did not really manage the relationships in their lives. Probably within the last decade, we've started moving away from that. Um, not that we don't do that deep individual work, but we're now looking at these marriages specifically going, they are going home to sleep in the same bed with somebody to be with someone far more often than their trauma therapist. And yes. we need to be attending to this yes. relationship. We need to yes. equip this person. We yeah. need to help them do really in addition to individual work, we need to help them do trauma work as a couple. And absolutely that impacts all areas of their life, including, but not limited to their sexuality. And so having the ability to do work in that specific space, I think is very hard, but also very rewarding and life-giving because these couples are desperate to hold their marriages together and trauma wants to wreak havoc on them. Trauma wants to perpetuate itself. Yeah. In whatever system, your internal system as an individual, your relationships, it wants to repeat itself and maintain itself. And can so we can, have to step in yeah. and interrupt that. Can you give an example of what that looks like? I mean, for me, what I think about is like a classic example is the female sexually abused. And as she gets older, she's maybe more promiscuous because of the lie she believes from the sexual abuse, doesn't know her worth, and then continues on, then steps into a marriage and then brings in the I'm not worthy into the marriage. But then mm -hmm. also like, wow, now I don't actually really enjoy this. I don't like this. Now I'm actually with the safe person, but I don't want to have sex. So yeah. that's like a case that I would think of. But yeah, and you like have one example. Yeah, that's one example. Like, do you have any other examples that are kind of like pretty typical situations that you guys see? Let me back it up first, if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that trauma does, one of the most pervasive and basic foundational conceptual things that trauma does is takes away power, choice, voice, and agency, right? I am my own person. I get to make choices. I get to have boundaries. 
And I am empowered as a human and I get to hold that power. And trauma takes that away. It takes that away in a whole variety of common things. And so I'm going to speak to sort of where you're going, which is specifically sexual trauma. But I would also like to invite the listeners to realize that it can be any type of trauma. Yep. Um, because once trauma steps into your nervous system and throws you off, it can show up in any activity. And so one of the things I didn't mention in the beginning is I am actually all but dissertation in my PhD process. And the thing that I am doing in my dissertation is looking at the impact of childhood sexual abuse on sexual dysfunction and pelvic floor function. That's one tiny sliver. Yes. The argument in the, you know, my argument that I'm trying to insert into the research dialogue is all types of trauma have body impact. (laughs) And that means it can invade all sorts of activities and the sexual dynamic on either side is really not one-to-one. I like to think of it as trauma robs us of all the things I said before, your power, your agency, your voice, and your choice. Mm -hmm. And that is what gets repeated in the future. And so the way I see that show up specifically with couples is it can go both ways. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And the example that you were talking about was sort of um, when someone has specifically sexual trauma and they end up going toward like uh, what some people would say is like promiscuity. Mm-hmm. It's what we might call reenactment, yeah. but reenactment can actually happen a lot of ways. I just had this conversation with another colleague in house because there's some chatter in a, a certain part of her world where they're kind of um, actually idolizing codependency and they don't realize it. And so, and codependency is a power dynamic as well. So um, people, to go back to your example of, of the promiscuous acting out reenactment, it is, I'm going to put my back, I'm going to put myself back in similar, not exactly one-to-one the same sexual situations, but what I'm hoping is in that reenactment trauma reaction, the um, outcome is going to change. But yeah. what happens is, is if the internal state hasn't changed, the outcome doesn't change, even if it was sex on my terms and this activity on my terms. And I said the same thing about the example of the codependency that I was discussing with this colleague. I said, they're acting like their ability to mind read and guess what's about to happen, which is a trauma reaction Mm -hmm. that most people don't realize. Like trauma survivors have to like watch and be very aware of micro expressions to prevent, yes, chaos and and trauma. Yes. And abuse from happening again. And in future relationships that aren't necessarily unsafe in kind of that um, beat you up and physical way, they still have that skill set, And so they're like, oh yeah, I can just guess what everybody needs. And I can just step into that. And I can kind of, whatever that looks like. And they're really proud of it. They think it's a superpower and they really lean into it. And they don't realize that it's another trauma reaction showing up, but it's on their terms. So it sounds real strong, you know? And I would say that in the therapy, like what we probably would diagnose is anxiety because that could be one of the symptoms, you know, maybe we don't get to PTSD, but it could be anxiety of like, what's going to show up, what's going to happen. And, oh, I, like you said, proud that I can read the room and I can read people and I know people, and I'm just so good at reading people. And I keep people happy and I can make all these things happen. And I'm going, I know you think that's a superpower. It is birthed out of your trauma though. And there are some people speaking out about that. It's hard to receive that, especially if you happen to be one of these very high functioning people, Mm -hmm. you have had wild success. You 
are doing really well. You are, you do have some very successful things. Um, it's actually one of the reasons why some people don't want to do trauma work or admit that they have had trauma is because they're like, but this, it made me strong. Oh, I'm fine. Me. I've overcome. Yeah. And, well, no, but I don't think they're flourishing is the they're, argument. They're I not make. flourishing. There's false identities behind it. I believe that people actually end up on the better end of it because Romans 8, 28 says that God uses everything for the good of those who love him. And so he's going to use what you learn and what you heal from your trauma for good. So he's going to take all the success that you had, and he's going to help you to be an even better leader. So you'll be more empathetic, more able to be able, now you're going to be able to be successful and understand people who have struggles. So I think sometimes people who are successful have a hard time with people who've had trauma, like, oh, you know, that's, they had trauma. I haven't, I'm good. When they don't even realize they had some too. And so that, that compassion that, that grows and the humility that happens from doing the trauma works actually makes them an even better leader for everyone, not just the people who can buck up and figure it out like them. You know, now it's compassion for everyone or hopefully I've just, I've seen it. I've seen leaders actually improve and being better leaders by doing their own trauma work. And I want to take a second to talk about, I use the word trauma broadly. I tell people that I'm not really looking at the diagnostic criteria for trauma. What I'm doing is I'm listening to your nervous system. Mm -hmm. And I would make the argument that whether you want to use the word trauma or not, if I could place it somewhere on a continuum, and there might be some other words that we would use for other parts of the continuum. If there are stuck points, or um, this is what I love about the EMDR world, they use the term negative adverse life experiences. So maybe you don't like that word, but if you had negative adverse life experiences that threw your nervous system off just enough to where things got stuck in your brain in a way that was unhelpful versus helpful, you can be an overcomer all day long. I just think either there is a greater capacity you have not accessed, or there is a greater enjoyment and flourishing in your success that's probably not really being manifested. And so I think that's where we're missing out. Now, let me take us back to where we were. Okay. Trauma reactions show up in a lot of different ways. You can have the overcomer, strong, assertive, aggressive kind of direction. Then you can have the, cause remember it's flight, fight, freeze, fold, fawn, right? They're all, those are all those, the trauma reactions. Then you can have the person who is shut down, fragile, so you have like the ultra strong and then you have the ultra fragile and everything in between. So everybody's trauma reactions look different. But at the end of the day, when we're talking about relationships, if we have not healed from our trauma, we typically go into relationships with bad habits and patterns of imbalance and power. And when you have an imbalance in power, you can't have intimacy. Mm. It's just, it doesn't work. Okay. You can have intensity. You can have function. Mm -hmm. You can have contracts and transactions, but I don't think you can truly have that deeply flourishing intimacy. And sometimes, oftentimes that can show up in our physical function, um, in ways that, uh, make us feel really broken or cause physical challenges and pain, not always, but sometimes. So you have a wide variety of ways this can show up and break the sexual experience, all that to say, which is, I know where we were, we're kind of trying to get today. So yeah. You know, I always tell people, I think women's bodies have an uncanny ability to demand congruence. Hmm. And so you have a lot of women who manifest sexual dysfunction or sexual challenges 
based on their trauma, negative adverse life experiences, and, or the not helpful relationship dynamics inside of the relationship that they are trying to have the sex with. So mm-hmm. it's a wide variety. Yeah. It's also really helpful to remember, which is a good systems rule. We marry people on our same health level. That does not mean it manifests the same way. So one of the things, if you come and work with me is we do not have any identified patients in the system. Um, it is not her fault, her trauma. If we can just fix her, we'll all be okay. I would say he would not have married her if he were as healthy as he thinks he is Yeah, because we marry each other on the same health level, how we got to that health level. Our stories are different. Our symptoms are different, but we generally speaking, we marry each other on the same health level. We just can't see the other person's yet. We can't see hers yet because his is the loudest one in the room. We can't see his yet because hers is the loudest in the room. So I keep it even Steven when I work with couples. Yeah. I keep good. it even Steven. Cause a lot of times people will come in, want the therapist to point fingers and agree and say it's his fault or it's her fault. And so I like what you're saying there. I think that really takes it off of that. It is one person's fault just because you experienced the trauma doesn't mean that you're the one with the problem. It's a two-way relationship. Yeah. I always tell couples, I try, you know, one of the I was going to say cliche, that might be a little bit too harsh, but one of the classic sayings is let's get you guys on the same team. Right. And one of the ways that we do that in trauma work with couples is to say, Hey, this is not her trauma. This is not like her problem. Trauma has impacted your marriage. I would like for you guys to both be angry at the trauma together. Yeah, It impacts you differently, but it's the same enemy. The enemy is the trauma. It's not him or her, whoever's carrying the trauma. The problem is the problem. Yeah. Yeah. So what can you say for couples who are struggling with these situations? They step into their marriage. They realize that they both have struggles, but maybe one isn't manifested yet because the other one is not liking sex or not enjoying it or has some sort of dysfunction that's showing up. Um, what, What would you say is kind of the best advice that you would say right now for the show? There are a couple of concept maps that I always want to try to hand the couples. The first one is that safety is really the key. So even when you think about sexual dysfunction, everybody just wants to make that very mechanical. Well, even if you look at the mechanics of how our sexual response cycle works in the body, you have to be able to relax to get aroused. That's good. Okay. And if you're safe, um, you can relax. You can relax. If you don't feel safe, you can't. Okay. Sure. And so good. safety is always the primary goal. And so, um, and that doesn't require perfection right. and it is expensive. Mm-hmm. Safety is expensive mm-hmm. and it's extremely expensive when there's a history of trauma in the system, because to rebuild safety, there's, it's just a lot of healing work. Nobody wants to hear this. But the classic textbook answer for trauma work is about two to five years. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to talk about that. And I think we do a disservice as mental health professionals by not being honest about that. Now, I will tell you, you will not be the same on day one that you are on month six and you are on year two. Okay. So it's progressively getting better, but people really want to come into your therapist office with any type type of trauma history and have six sessions and be done. And like, it just doesn't work that way. Okay. It's going to be a long journey. So some of it is understanding that safety is primary. Everything you're shooting for in the beginning is to rebuild safety. And 
Um, and this is going to take some time. So we got to buckle up. Yep. The other thing that I like to put some language around is the difference between fault and responsibility. You don't have to be at fault for what happened to be responsible for what happens next. That's good. Neither the survivor nor the spouse is at fault for the trauma, but they are both responsible for what they are going to do as adults next. Mm-hmm. What I will hear happen sometimes in the early phases of the healing work is it's not my fault that that happened. I shouldn't have to do this. And that's where I'm saying safety is a very expensive rebuild process. So, you know, for better, for worse, we take vows with each other at the altar. We do not know. There is no assessment. There is no premarital under the sun. I do prefer that actual trained therapists are the ones who do it, but there is no amount of premarital and assessing under the sun that would give anybody a full picture of what they're marrying. Additionally, I hope that you're not the same person on your 10 year anniversary. Like, you know, couples will come in and be like, that's not even who I married. I'm like, well, I sure hope not. Yes. Because we're supposed to change. (laughs) We are. And I hear that you don't like how this is going, but change is, you know, part of the process. So there's no, so there's like, I've been lied to, you know, I'm gentle about it, but I do, I do push back on that because nobody knows what they're getting into. You're committed to journeying together. Yes. Safety is expensive. Just because yeah. it wasn't your fault doesn't mean it's not your responsibility. Yeah. That's okay? good. So those are some big good. concept maps. Yep. And then one of the really hard ones is to walk really both of them. This is where the system rule always shows up for me. They have to walk out of control and power dynamics. That's one of the first things they have to do. And what's really hard about that means it's a lot of no in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And it's not enjoyable to get a lot of no. Mm-hmm. But everybody has to get their no back before they can really say yes. And you have consent and mutuality and safety. Again, if safety is key, we have to rebuild the no first. So it really does feel like going backwards in the beginning. And um, I think it was Sue Johnson in one of her trauma books. And I am not EFT, emotionally focused therapy oriented as a couples therapist, But she talks about, I believe it was her who talks about, you have to skew power back in the direction of the trauma survivor for a while. It doesn't mean you are taking the power away from the spouse for what they are in charge of themselves, but the dance between the couple where that team maintenance, wherever it used to feel, you actually have to just give a whole lot of no to the survivor for a while. They need space. They need no They need to feel that they're not going to get punished for that because again, trauma took all that from them. Earlier in the show, you talked about voice, choice, power, and agency. And so by being able to allow the person who was the survivor to be able to say no and have it be safe, they're starting to gain more trust for their partner and themselves that I do have a choice. My voice Mm -hmm. is important. I do have power and agency around who I am. And- So I I think that these are all really, really important things. And I love how you break it down and how the dynamic is, is really laid out in a way that, um, isn't the one person's fault. It's, it's both people and all of this. And what you're talking about is going to increase intimacy. It's going to increase being able to be closer to God, closer to each other, um, and have a healthier relationship and a healthier marriage. 
Oh yeah. I tell people all the time, if I can help you fight better, I can help you have a better sex life because mm-hmm. the way you fight is the way you have sex. Yeah. And, and when you think about trauma and some of this showing up, it absolutely includes that too. Yeah. One of the most vulnerable things that you can do, one of the most intimate things you can do outside of taking your clothes off and touching each other is fighting well. Mm-hmm. and doing hard things, difficult conversations well together. And if there is anything that invites that it is trauma mm-hmm. to talk about not detail dumping, but to talk about, this is how I'm feeling today. And I, I'm not up for this. And I'm so sad about that. You don't have space to connect with me today. I don't. And to grieve together and to be yeah. able to stay mm-hmm. and not punish one of the most wildly trust-building intimate things you can do when you do it well. And we have that counterintuitive pulling away from, you know, our negative emotions that are not bad, they're signals and um, pulling away from processing those individually, but pulling away from processing those as a couple actually pulls you away from the gorilla glue that we dump on your marriage to make you feel connected when it's fun and enjoyable and pleasurable. So very hard, long work. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people skip over that part. And sometimes if I could be so bold, Heidi, I think a lot of therapists skip over that part. Oh, I totally agree with you. I do want to say this because I think this is so hard for people. I will have people who come in and they've said, I have been working on this for decades. And I will say, this is a really hard truth, but efforts do not equate to outcomes. Yeah. I have heard you are putting in a ton of effort. I'm not sure it was done effectively. And I'm not dogging other therapists. I'm I'm really not. I'm inviting therapists to get trauma-informed and relationship and systems-informed. We really need both in the space all the time. And if, if that's not happening, you can have people exerting a ton of effort. And I'm not saying they didn't get anything out of it, but they're looking for this outcome in their relationship. And I'm like, well, that work hasn't been done yet. So yes, you've been exerting effort, but that does not equate to a specific outcome yet. So good. I'll hear clients say, well, I've worked on that. That, I mean, that's all therapists will say that. I get a lot of therapists will say, I'm good. I've worked on that when there's clearly a behavior that there's a struggle. This has been so wonderful having you on and so much wisdom from you. Is there anything else that you would like to say before we close up this? Is there anything else that you're like, I really want the listeners to know this is, this is really what I want them to take away. When it comes to everything, but specifically sex and trauma, please keep it complex. When we oversimplify things, we really risk doing more damage than good. So keep it complex as you engage. There's not these black and white answers and these very simple, quippy things to say about it. Keep it complex. Let it be nuanced. And then the other thing I'd like to invite your listeners, piggybacking on what you just said, is as a believer, personally for me, It is helpful for me and helpful for my clients who identify as believers to remember that on this side of eternity, we're never done. And that is not a death sentence on your pleasure and enjoyment. It is an invitation to embrace ongoing healing. But even after, you know, you feel like you've done the bulk of that, it's to embrace ongoing development. We are developing as adults, we are growing, we are changing. And so I, I just to let go of our obsession with this done point yeah. to let that go is really powerful. So on this side of eternity, yeah. we're never done oh, and good. healing does not take us back to Eden state. So we have to kind of embrace imperfect healing. Yeah, that's good. Wow. Embrace imperfect healing. I love that. That is beautiful. 
Oh, thank you so much. Would you be willing to close out and pray for our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Dear God, I just thank you so much for your patience with us and your grace and your mercy. And God, I just pray for anybody who's listening to this, um, that you would give them an extra measure of um, energy and resources and soft hearts because the journey is hard and costly and it is beautiful. And so, um, God, just please give them what they need to take another step and walk this path and get more of you as they do that. It's in your precious name. I pray. Amen. Amen. Oh, thank you so much. So besides the Jenna mountain on Instagram, where else can people find you? Yes. So I am getting ready to launch my revamped website. So that's jennamountain.com. And then you can find my company in practice. It's aspenhouseassociates.com. It is A-S-P-E-N-H-A-U-S. We did want to do that fun German spelling. So aspenhouseassociates.com. And you can see my really brilliant and talented team. Again, clinically, we serve all over the state of Texas online in person in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And then with leadership development and marriage and relationship coaching, we serve now nationally and internationally. Awesome. Thank you so much. It's been a joy. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Strong Tower Mental Health Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen. Your review helps the show reach more people and spread mental health awareness with Jesus at the Center. You can also check me out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or my website at HeidiMortensen.com lmft.com. See you at our next episode.